Hi, my name is Ian Khan, and you're listening to the Innovation Times Podcast. I am a technology author, speaker, and an advocate for everything good that technology brings. A part of my work is running the Innovation Times Podcast and bringing together people from various aspects of the industry and talk about how technology is affecting the way that they perform their jobs, their functions, and how they're leading their organizations to change that's propelled by technology. As part of my podcast, I interview people from all segments of the industry and different verticals as well. Welcome to Innovation Times. My name is Ian Khan, and I'm at the eHealth Conference in Toronto with Dr. Fatima Farouk, who's the Chief Medical Officer at Allscripts. Dr. Fatima, welcome to the program, and thank you for being uh, with us and, and with our listeners today. Thanks for having me. So, you are the Chief Medical Officer at Allscripts. For Allscripts Analytics. Allscripts Analytics. Mm-hmm. And talking about analytics, this is the information age. This is the age uh, where information is king, whether it's uh, healthcare, uh, patient care, uh, you know, uh, at any and every level uh, within industry, not just not just healthcare, but uh, manufacturing, technology, transportation, logistics, information is driving everything. Tell us how information and data is driving your industry, and how do you see uh, this being a key part in us uh, innovating? And second creating value within our work Yeah, I think that's that's a fantastic question, Ian. Um, so, you know, I think one of the things that is really important here is that we realize that, that meaningful use in the United States has um, really sprinted the adoption of EHRs across not only the United States, but the world. Um, everybody is going to electronic health records. And what this has ultimately facilitated is the collection of significant amounts of health data um, that go back at this point, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, right? So in in more established places, you've got longer timelines and less established places, you still have data coming in, right? It's the bottom line. And so all of this data now um, can be really, really used in a way that we could never really use it before. When we used to think about research and outcomes research and identifying high-risk populations and predicting where they were going, we used to think about traditional research methods where we'd recruit a study sample, right? Um, you know, figure out what variables we needed to study, follow that patient population, and then report on the outcomes. Now that process was um, clunky, right? And it took significant amount of time and resources. However, right, now that we've got big data and we have cloud-based computing, we can actually rapidly mine this data um, to glean insights from it like never really done before. Um, and, and one of the things, you know, again, I was just saying, you know, um, Amazon and Facebook and, and the retail sector has really gotten their heads around this, right? Um, they've, they've done this and they've done it well. Unfortunately, with healthcare, we've, we certainly have been left behind a little bit. And so we are just now realizing the value that this data that's very rightly said. I couldn't agree more. Uh, the more we, you know, we, we look at the possibilities of, uh, you know, us being able to analyze information and derive those insights and uh, and really use that information to make the next big decision. Uh, and in diagnostics, uh, you know, patient information or clinical uh, side of things, uh, mm-hmm. we've heard about. Um, and there's some companies out there that are that are. Uh, 
uh, analyzing millions of records of information, mm -hmm. and now they're able to tell us, after analyzing 50 million records of CT scans, that, hey, here's the possibility of this disease progressing and so on. Mm -hmm. So how do you see the fact that we are able to analyze a lot more information, tons and tons of more information in such a short amount of time uh, because of uh, different systems, different uh, uh, you know, processes that technology has enabled. How do you work with these processes? Uh, yeah. Tell us more about you know, uh, that how is the industry being driven by these faster processes? Sure. Um, well, so I'll tell you a little bit about our work and, and how we're approaching this. I mean, Allscripts has um, what we call the Allscripts data lake, um, and, and that really is a collection of de-identified patient records that go back about 10 years at this point um, on about 50 million lives. So we are able to do some longitudinal time series analysis on that. Um, you know, it, it, it comes from um, our, again, outpatient ambulatory um, client base where we have um, been given permission to do research and development on, on these um, de-identified patient records. And what we've started to do is really um, focus down on, on chronic disease progression, right, and understanding um, what are the most relevant chronic diseases, right? We, we have, um, in the U.S., our regulatory environment, which certainly drives what chronic diseases we look at. But it, it really, you know, gave us the opportunity to stop and take a look and let the data lead us, right? So, so we started first by identifying the most prevalent chronic diseases within our data set. And then, um, you know, I, I have been speaking to the American Medical Association, the American Diabetes Association about how we actually work together with, with partners to make care better, to identify those patients earlier that are at risk. And we said, all right, let's, let's do a little bit of a project around prediabetes. Um, so prediabetes today um, is recognized as you know a, an important precursor to diabetes but the most important thing about prediabetes is that it is reversible with lifestyle change and intervention and so um, the CDC for example says prediabetes is a is a really important problem because if you don't manage prediabetes one in three patients will become a diabetic well what we did was amongst our 50 million records we pulled out all the prediabetic patients and we said all right let's follow this population of about 3.5 million lives and we did this you know over you know five year time period, whatever it was that we had in terms of the data, and what we found was 80% of these patients converted to diabetes in that time. Now, that figure is, is alarming to me, um, at, but it is just one example of the innovative kind of, you know, approach that we're taking to, to some outcomes research and, and really following our patients to see who's at highest risk, what the disease progression is like. And now that we understand that this is a huge problem, right, Not and, and perhaps the CDC is, is grossly underestimating it, right, with, with suggesting one in three when we've shown in 3.5 million lives it's, it's much more like four in five, we can now really think about what we do differently with these patients. That's amazing. So when you work with, let's say, 50 million records of data, and you said it's uh, depersonalized information, but that, that really uh, sparks a question of protecting you know, patient information and making yeah, sure that when that information passes the chain of command, uh, not just between you or the patients, but within this ecosystem of healthcare providers and innovators mm -hmm. and you know, the companies that are in, working on this information to, to find out how can we cure this disease, what are the trends. How is industry seeing, or how from your perspective do you think, uh, how important, or um, let me frame it this way, 
what is the importance of uh, us looking at data from uh, privacy and protection point of view? Yeah, I mean, ultimately speaking, you know, first do no harm, right? So we um, in the United States are HIPAA compliant, so we make sure that, you know, whatever we do is never going to compromise the patient at the individual level. So I think there are certainly different techniques that are, are currently used today within that space, and I, I don't want to, you know, go down this too much because I'm, I'm certainly not the expert, and I, I really just work to comply with the frameworks that are out there, but there certainly are um, frameworks that are existing today. Now, when you talk about big data and the way we've de-identified patient records today, um, we've, we've stripped out, you know, names, address, um, anything that really could be a, a personal identifier as such, right? What we leave behind are things like problems, diagnoses, and labs, for example, right? So those are the types of information we are able to extract and utilize. Um, and so those are the things we, we use as we, we think about our models. Um, I do think that there needs to be a greater push at a, you know, um, stakeholder level where we all kind of get together and really think more about what data um, is accessible for, for research, um, for development, for innovation, um, while really ensuring that you know, our patients are not compromised. And do you think from a, from a legislation point of view there's enough um, you know, regulation or have we done enough to, to have the standards in place given that new technology is getting us to do yeah. things in a new way? Do you see an opportunity for newer? Um, I, I certainly do. I, I certainly do. And, and this is why I'm just going to highlight that I, I think key stakeholders need to come together and, again, really redefine um, those parameters for which data can be used for research and innovation because we certainly have the opportunity now, right? And it, it should not actually be just a few that have access to, to this kind of, um, you know, data to do research, right? So, so obviously I think there needs to be a push, there needs to be data made available for, for innovation and for research. But ultimately speaking, I, I think that we, in this discussion, need to ensure that the patient um, is, is at the center of this, right? That, that we, again, are, are doing best by, by our patients and that our patients truly have a say here, right? Um, because everybody talks about research and innovation and, you know, value and all these other things. But at the end of the day, um, whose value are, are we meeting, right? Ultimately speaking, we have to meet value for the patient. We have to improve the lives and the health of our patients one at a time, even with this big data approach. And, and in that, you know, they, they need to be the key stakeholder that we really think about in all of this. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you've done uh, a lot of work around the world and you've, uh, uh, you've potentially obviously seen a lot more healthcare in, in other parts of the world, if, if you will. Uh, how is the state of, you know, healthcare services, uh, I'm not trying to compare, but, but how is the state of healthcare in, in let's say, countries that you work in? Are, and I'm trying to try to cover this from an innovation on a global perspective because I personally feel there's a huge gap in uh, the things that we are able to do because of our infrastructure, our uh, capabilities here, and there's communities that do not have access to fresh water, drinking water, basic basic healthcare. Um, share some insights with us uh, that, that you've seen. Yeah, I think I think um, this is certainly something I addressed yesterday at the International Perspectives Panel, but I, I do think, yes, there there is a divide, right, in, in what we have available in first world countries and, and what's available today in perhaps low and middle income countries. However, what you do have is, is very much um, 
this same acceleration, right, and this energy that's going on all around the world, right? There's, um, I, I'd be hard pressed to to ask for anybody who didn't really have a Facebook account, right, or a mobile phone, even in a low-income country. Now, when you think about the data that's generated there and how that might be able to be used with an mHealth apps and and so on, um, again, the the possibilities are are endless. Um, and and what I've been able to see again are you could call them low-tech, right, innovations that are, again, you know, simple mHealth apps, but they are making an impact, whether it's, you know, um, clean water. And, you know, I, I was hearing a, a story yesterday, um, speaking to somebody about how they were using an app um, at the village level just around clean water where they would um, uh, contact the, the government, right? And, and if there was a carcass, for example, in um, a village's water supply, they'd be able to notify the government to come and ensure that that village had access to clean water and, and to, you know, do what had to be done to ensure that water was clean and safe for drinking again. So again, that's just one very, very simple example of what's being used in the healthcare side specifically. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time working in Kenya as part of my fellowship. Um, and, and what we had done there was instituted a, again, a, a very low-tech mobile health application system for the collection of trauma registry data. Um, that, you know, application ended up going viral and and essentially speaking, Kenya got a national injury surveillance system to some degree out of it, right? Because he had quite a few public hospitals pumping in data um, into like a national repository, which is really the cloud, right? And and you now had the burden of injury across a country, which again was done for, for very, very low cost. Um, essentially 53 bucks a year, right? I mean, this, this was really, really low tech, low cost, but yeah. made a huge impact. I, and, and I think some stats also revealed that today more people have mobile phones than they have electricity at home. So uh, that's, that's definitely mobility and the aspect mm -hmm. of being connected is definitely on the rise. Uh, and with the, the growing economies such as India or China, uh, the, the staggering amount of scale that you know, the entire population has access to um, a phone service that they can you know, uh, access or tap into an app mm -hmm. that is connected, so on and so forth, is, is definitely a huge value add, I think, that, uh, that uh, technology companies overall uh, can provide. Sure. And, it's, I, and I, I'm sure it's, and of course, it's a complex web. It's not as simple as being able to you know, put a band-aid and everything is good. But yeah. you know, the impact of technology on every sector uh, is, is on multiple aspects. And one of the aspects is on job creation. Now, data science is very specific, it's very specialized, and I'm a very firm believer that the emergence of new technology is actually going to give rise to more jobs rather than uh, you know, uh, get people to lose their mm -hmm. How do you see this trend? I, I completely and totally agree with you on that one. I mean, I think, ultimately speaking, you're going to have to see a cross-collaboration between industry, academia, you know, and government to truly make all of this work, right, to transform these the data that's being amassed into tangible change um, and outcomes that can be, be seen at the patient level, right? Now, along that entire spectrum, you're going to need people to do that interpretation and to transform those insights into value, into interventions, so on and so forth. So I, I am in 100% agreement there. So what would your advice be to the workforce uh, that you know, has the capability and the potential uh, to be the technologists of tomorrow or to be the people who are bringing value uh, to industry tomorrow, what should they do 
yeah, today um, to be there tomorrow? I would honestly just say embrace the change, right? My Again, my background is in medicine. I have zero technology training, but it was really just this frustration that I was experiencing, saying that there had to be a better way to collect the data that I needed to understand what was really the problem with my patient population. So just that whole process of, of getting involved and, and understanding the problem, let me start being imaginative, right? And, and everybody has an individualized problem, right, that, that they would like to solve. And I think the more you learn, the more you just start to get involved, the more you start to read and, and start talking to people, I think that's, that's really what, what starts to fuel the discussion, you know? I think uh, you said it right, you, you couldn't have said it any better way. The, the real value within today's uh, technology economy, call it the knowledge economy, technology economy, uh, is about being able to work with the idea rather than actually know how to code, how to program, and do all those things. Because people who are coding and programming and building these apps are relying on the people who are feeding them that information. That's correct. You need, uh, you know, maybe in this case, people to go out in the field and collect data. So it's a chain uh, yep. of value creation rather than just one person coming out or one organization coming out with an app. Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for me it was the intersection between healthcare and tech, right? Making sure that I could have my idea or my painful problems sort of translated into some kind of a, a technology-based solution. And, and I think, you know, just by working together. And again, you don't, you don't need um, something that's very, very complex or expensive. Um, I, I really will highlight that, you know, you just have got to start somewhere. Give it a go. Um, to conclude, Tell us what you think the future holds for the, the industry in general. How do you think healthcare is going to be uh, is going to continue to be transformed by different technologies, whether mm -hmm. it's cloud or Internet of Things or variables or uh, you know blockchain or what have you? Uh, give us your insight on what do you think ten years from now, or fifteen years or twenty years from now, uh, things would look like. Yeah, um, so, so big data is, is already touching our lives in, in almost every way possible, you know. Um, and I think healthcare is going to see the benefit of that. They're already seeing the benefit of it in some ways today. So, you know, the, the earliest example of, of what's happening today is people are now looking at this data, right? We're, we're thinking about how to make our systems smarter and better. We're employing the insights that we're getting out of big data and large populations to clinical decision support that's improving our EHRs today, right? That are that are really delivering these insights to the, the end users, our physicians, within the workflow at the point of care. And that today is, is step one, right? For tomorrow, I mean, we've got to, again, get even better at proactively mapping what is going to happen in our patient populations. And I think you're going to see a lot more predictive analytics used um, in terms of identifying patients at risk and facilitating earlier event interventions, you know, in, in patient disease pathways. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Innovation Times and sharing some of your insights, Dr. Brew. Uh, again, here at eHealth uh, Toronto, we hope there's uh, you engage in a lot more conversations and and really come out with solutions and conversations that that change the world. Uh, but thank you so much for your time, and we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's welcome.